0: I'm your host, Rabbi Linda Schreiner-Khan, and welcome to Tehillah Talks, where teens engage in honest conversation with their rabbi about what it means
1: to be Jewish in
0: the world today.
1: Welcome to Tehillah Talks. I'm Julian.
2: And I'm Jasmine. And today we're turning the tables and interviewing Rabbi Linda Schreiner-Khan.
1: Okay, so rabbi, what did you want to be before you became a rabbi?
0: I wanted to be a star on Broadway. Really? Mm -hmm. When I was a kid, yeah. That's definitely what I thought I could be. Mm -hmm. Dreams, dreams, dreams of... (laughs) Before I became a rabbi, that sounds like it happened like moments before I became a rabbi. Yeah. uh, Yeah. But in terms of childhood... They're kind of similar,
1: actually, if you think about
0: it. Well, in terms of being in front of the public, yes. But... (laughs) (laughs) uh, What did I want to be before I became a rabbi? It's an interesting question because I took a course when I was in my 20s after I'd graduated from college after I had a master's in theater education and part of the course was to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and the final exercise was to envision the perfect work situation and the perfect work situation for me is the, is where I am today which is being in a space that is multi-generational teaching, and being with people as they go through their life's journey. Now, did I know that that equaled rabbi at the time? Not a clue. But, that, yeah, so (laughs) I've been on this journey for quite a while, so I I can't even say when it fully began.
2: That sort of leads into some of the other questions that we wrote down. Um, These two are kind of similar, so I'm just going to say them together. Okay, fine. So growing up, did you ever think that you would or could become a rabbi? So that sort of feeds into what you were saying about you didn't know that what you wanted to be was
0: rabbi Um, necessarily. Coming from the background that I come from, which I had an Orthodox day school education Mm -hmm. for like seven or eight years. Went to a very, very Orthodox yeshiva. And then my family belonged to a conservative synagogue at a time where rabbis were not being ordained. And mm-hmm. uh, women, female rabbis yeah. were not being ordained. Uh, they were only being ordained in the reform movement. So I'm being completely unfamiliar with the reform movement at that point. I did not really see it as a possibility.
2: Yeah. So that's another question we were going to ask. Like as a woman becoming a rabbi, how did you?
0: So what, what, obstacles, what obstacles did, you, did face? you face? By the time I decided to do it, <laughs> a lot of those obstacles that I saw when I was younger really didn't exist anymore. Mm -hmm. The obstacles that exist for female rabbis are for my younger colleagues, more so than for myself, because by the time I started rabbinical school, I had teenagers, and they would never be rabbis' kids in the way that somebody who's in their 30s um, has children who become rabbis' kids. Uh, And that's a whole different topic about balancing life, work, Mm -hmm. home life and work, uh, which I did to some extent, but not to the extent of my younger colleagues, because I came to this later in life.
1: Who has had the most influence on your rabbinical style? That's a really interesting question. It doesn't have to be a rabbi.
0: No, no, (laughs) it's it's really an amalgam of a number of different people over Mm -hmm. time. And if I think about it, I would say my parents, actually. My mother was very gracious and welcoming as a person. And, and with my father, they, they just welcomed all kinds of people in yeah. to our home growing up. And were pretty good about on the judgment side of life. Yeah. <laughs> Not judging and valuing experience. And my father was the best listener you ever met. So I think that listening and hearing, I got that from my dad. Mm
2: -hmm. So you've mentioned all of these characteristics that have inspired you in your life as a rabbi. As a rabbi, what characteristics do you try to emulate? And what do you think makes a good rabbi? Sorry if that's phrased not the best. but
0: (laughs) What makes a good rabbi? First of all a strong connection to Jewish tradition. I mean, if you're not a rabbi if if you don't have that to start with uh, and that sense that uh, you have something to pass on to the next generation. That's key. But being where people are, I've been in the presence of colleagues who have wonderful, wonderful ideas but don't take the time to include others in those ideas and so they're marching by themselves. And so for me, my rabbinate is about uh, inclusion, listening and changing if I need to change, and characteristics. Say, say more about the question. I feel like I'm we're, going we asking
1: the- you, well, I feel like you answered that pretty yeah, well. Yeah, okay. I feel like that was a... And you also touched on it with the last question, but this is more of like a... Is, is Tehillah the first congregation you've led, and like what other congregations have you been a part of?
0: So... As rabbi, this is the first congregation mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: that is my congregation, I could, Yeah. <laughs> okay. But I was an associate rabbi previous to coming to Tehillah. I had a rabbinic internship before I came to Tehillah. And before I became a rabbi, I was a synagogue president. So. What does uh, that
1: mean?
0: I was the president of the board. I was the. Yeah. yeah. Really? Yes. I didn't know that. Uh, yeah the synagogue that I pretty much grew up in on Chesed on the Upper West Side. And my parents were members uh, there, you know, for most, most of my time growing up, we started an Orthodox synagogue, but then we ended up in Anshah Chesed and eventually I became the board chair. So that, that was a whole interesting thing. So when I came to being a rabbi, it really informed me of the other side of the table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: yeah. That. Kind of sounds like Tequila to me because at least in my experience, like over the years, like I found different ways to be involved in stuff. And it sounds like you kind of like you kind of rose up and assumed a leadership position.
0: Yeah, it's, it's also my first job in the Jewish, a formal job in the Jewish community was as a director of operations and placement at the rabbinical school I ultimately went to. Uh, And when I was first hired, the interview question was, would you ever consider becoming a rabbi? And my response was, are you crazy? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) And after a number of years being surrounded by people who were starting to become rabbis, I realized, uh, I guess I am crazy.
2: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's sort of, that's interesting that you said that. So what? Made you change your mind on that? What made you decide to become a rabbi, even though originally you had that idea, those reservations? And did you ever feel badly about the choice you made? Did you ever like regret it? No, no, I never regretted
0: the choice, mm-hmm. and it took me a long time. I, I mean, you're supposed to get it through rabbinical school. The school I went to, if you do it full time, in five years. It took me about twice as long because I was still a mom and took time off and I didn't do it full time. But no, I I never regretted it. Um, I haven't regretted the process because, and I'm still becoming. It's a process of becoming. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I'm the best rabbi I can be yet. And so it's part of a process. Yeah,
1: Mm -hmm. You're getting better.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know if I'm getting better, but I'm changing and I'm, my outlook is developing and I'm, yeah, maybe I'm getting better, but I don't know that I, just, <laughs> do I say it that way.
2: Yeah, or it's like, it's not really about getting better as much as it is about learning. Do you, sorry, this isn't one of the questions we've prepared. That's, that's fine. But <laughs> but I'm just going to go off. I hope <laughs> we would go off, off on a tangent. Off a little bit. But um, so do you feel like being a rabbi is um, a, like a learning experience as well as a teaching experience?
0: You will hear me say at just about every bar about mitzvah that I thank whoever is in front of me for teaching me, and it's true. With everybody I study with, I learn something, and it would be really sad if I if I had stopped Mm -hmm. being open to learning something new. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, you know, then why bother? Yeah. If I if I was finished then well <laughs> but why bother? There's still so much to learn and I'm still learning from the tradition and I'm learning from the people in the community and I'm learning from what's going on in the world and how to hold fast and and yeah. what does what I've learned as as a woman, as a daughter of survivors, as a rabbi, what helps me Get through the complex times in which we live, and I would say all of the above and and much more. So, yeah, once you close the door, you might as well just yeah. give up
1: hope. That sounds fun, though. Like your job is pretty much like learning from people and learning from people, learning from from the tradition and from the tradition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds fun. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like. I want to think I would have that reaction, but you you touched on how like. Your kids could have become like the rabbi's kids. Do you feel as a religious figure that people treat you differently and how so? So,
0: um, yes. And because I did this, as I said, later in life, I have a whole set of friends that knew me before. And that's a really that's pretty nice to have a whole set of friends that knew me before. Mm -hmm. uh, Because they don't put the mantle on me. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, But one of the things when I was ordained, somebody said it's going to take a while to get used to this new garment of being a rabbi. And it's funny because I'm a new grandparent, and I think the same thing is true with that. When we keep adding to the different um, identities we have, uh, it takes a while for them to settle in. So I can turn it on to you. How... When did it feel comfortable to be in high school? Mm, I think like last Still hasn't. year. <laughs> well, but yeah. on, on some level. <laughs> but on, I don't like on, it. <laughs> well, no, but, but you're a senior, so you, you're right, you're yeah. like, so you're on your halfway out, but you're also comfortable on some level. Yeah,
2: I think it's interesting because I don't think I've sort of become comfortable in my environment until this year, like until I'm almost leaving, which is. I think it's partly because everyone is almost leaving. This is definitely a very different topic, so I'm sorry. No, 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 but it's not. It's really not.
0: About. It's, about, it's, about, it's about when do we get comfortable yeah. in new situations and in an educational process. I think people, people lose a lot of their walls
2: when it's, like, almost over, you know? People lose a lot of their, like, reservations for, like, presenting and, like, connecting with other people, when they know that they're like never gonna see or never gonna be in that same space, in that same environment again in a couple of months. Like for me, I don't have regular school. Like I don't graduate in February, but I start an internship and I don't go to actual classes in like two months. Lucky, so, <laughs> yeah. But it's also like it's an sad, end. It's yeah, an end. yeah,
0: right. But I think that's that. That's kind of what I'm saying is that. When you get comfortable in a in a position, mm-hmm. it takes a while. Um, yeah. You try new things. And the other side of that is if you've been in a, in a place, I've been at Tehillah for 10 years, my challenge is to keep reinventing.
1: Yeah. So mm-hmm. that I don't
0: get too comfortable. Mm-hmm. And you being on the board is a piece of that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Can I change my answer to the high school thing? Yeah. Because, like, I kind of realized that that's not really true. Like... I think I became more comfortable with, like, high school and, like, who I am this year because I really, like, like you kind of said, I really just accepted who I am and, you know, my flaws and some of my strengths. So, like, that that helped me at least was, like, I really was, like, this is just how it is and, like, I have to make the best out of this situation. Even though, like, I'm not saying I'm in a bad situation necessarily, but, like, with every... Every role you take on, like, there's, like, an adjustment period. There's an adjustment period. Exactly mm-hmm. right. That's yeah. Just, yeah. That's what I was getting at. All right. This is my, personally, my favorite question. <laughs> I think this is going to be most interesting. But um, Describe God and what that means to you personally or <laughs> okay, on any sure. level. Oh, gosh.
0: So this is the... This is a hard question. And it's a very philosophical question. And it's one that I don't... I refer to the divine in sermons and in teaching but i try very hard not to describe what i believe so that i can create an open pathway for others to find their own understanding of the Mm -hmm. divine because within judaism we don't have a unitary image
1: yeah Mm -hmm. we don't have like a Caucasian man with like a beard no
0: even, sky, but... even though that's what I thought when I was in
1: yeshiva right yeah. Uh-huh. oh yeah yeah yeah
0: I, I had sort of that was sort of that re-
1: surprises me I, I, I thought you wouldn't be the
0: well that was I was six years old yeah okay, and yeah. I also at age six yeah. that was was yeah. a
1: reassuring image
0: and it was a very imminent understanding of the divine right it's like well I'm running away from this school that I don't really like I'm going mm-hmm. to run in the bathroom and I'm gonna have this conversation with God because mm-hmm. that's part of what I did to get out of this very highly structured
2: mm-hmm. place
0: that I was a little bit of a rebel in. So uh, <laughs> I asked too many questions. Um,
2: <laughs> that's, sorry, that's interesting because I've always thought of like Judaism as like, for me, why I like Judaism
0: is because I feel like it encourages asking questions. Well, that's right. But this was a highly, highly Orthodox school. Mm-hmm. And uh, not where my parents were, but they sent me there because of the timing of the hours of the school. Uh (laughs) I mean, it sounds kind of funny to say they weren't looking for what was the most progressive or or intellectually challenging, and I left in fifth grade. But that's Mm -hmm. neither here nor there. But I want to go back to your question. So my understanding of the divine, it has to do with both imminence and transcendence, meaning that there are times when I want a god that is close and comforting, and there are times when I have no difficulty whatsoever in dealing with. I don't even know how to even. I don't have the language to define it. Something so great that it transcends everything. Yeah. Uh, and both things can be true for me, and that's about as much as I want to say about that question. I've been
1: I've been actually thinking about this a lot recently, and I read a book where the main character was describing God as like the energy being exchanged between everything in the universe. And yeah, and I that that concept kind of appealed to me because I think what I find like the most holy or like when I feel closest to God is when I'm thinking about like things ending or things being there without like me being present. Do you know what I mean by that? Yes, like, I do, actually. Like thinking about things like the fact that everything is happening and it's happened and it'll always have been happened regardless. of Yeah.
2: And it's um, bigger yeah. than yourself. Yeah. Like, I think that's, that's an
0: interesting.
1: because. But I, I don't think that means that each one of us is not special. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think it's like.
0: We're each unique.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're each a unique, like tiny part of. This larger force. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: That's, Which... that's appeals to me. Yeah.
2: Sorry and to interrupt. I, <laughs> no, no. I was interrupting you. <laughs> um... But, yeah, I just—I think that that's really cool because I think it's really important to let people have their own individual relationship with, like, God or religion or beliefs, but not—that doesn't mean, like, you can't guide people, but, like, I feel like that's such a personal thing, like, your relationship to God or whatever you think is God. So I think that that's, like, a really interesting answer because it leaves people— the pathway like you said to connect with God is in in their
0: own way. Yeah. Yeah. And some people need definition Mm -hmm. of you know, particularly uh people who are um approaching death. They need they want reassurance. And so who am I not to provide that if Mm -hmm. I possibly can?
2: Yeah.
0: Right? I don't know if I can. I try. But it's it's not it's not one answer. And and not every answer works for every person because we are all so different and and our own sense of perception is so different.
1: Yeah. You kind of touched on a question we had. This is a little out there, but like, have you ever felt that God is, you mentioned you like, we're trying to have a conversation with God or having a conversation with when God. When I was a kid? Yeah. Like, do you feel God has ever tried to communicate with you or anything along the with- way So
0: I'll say this. Sounds so weird, but um, I believe very strongly that the gifts I was born with, the thi- and I believe we all come into this world with gifts that we're born with, uh, and we tend for a long period in our lives not even to realize we have them because we take them so for granted, and we assume that everybody else has the same gifts, right? Yeah. That's Because if I can do it, then you can do it, right? But yeah. not necessarily at all. And so... I know that my gift of of speech is a gift, and I don't understand it. Mm-hmm. And it's been there in various forms, in various iterations throughout my life. I know that I can speak better off the cuff than I can when I write a speech, because my speeches tend to sound stilted. And when I'm speaking off the cuff, even if I, and I have an outline, I mean, it doesn't mean that I don't have an outline in my brain, mm-hmm. but... That it comes across much better than mm-hmm. when I'm reading from a script. So that to me is not—it's not because I took improv classes. I—I think this is God. I think this is, think
1: God, think
0: this is a gift. Yeah, and I can't fully explain it. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. This is like kind of in the same vein. Do you think that you have a personal relationship with God, or is that? Do you know what I mean by that?
0: Yeah, I know what you mean by that. <sighs> that's a hard question because when I think of the people I know who say to me they have a personal relationship with God, they tend to be people who are Christian. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's not the language that I use. Do I feel that I ha- can that I sometimes
1: Do you have a personal connection with God?
0: So let me let me all right. So here's here's a and a sort of a story, and I have no idea if there's any truth in that story, mm-hmm. but it's come down to me, right? Um, Rabbi Abraham Joshua Heschel. A great philosopher teacher at JTS was taking a walk uh, on Riverside Park in the fall with some of his students, and he uh, noticed the, the changing color of the trees and the leaves and he told the students to stop and for a moment he felt God's presence. And then the moment was over. And so I have had those moments. Mm-hmm. But they're but they're 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 fleeting. Where my sense of that which is greater is right is fully there, but I can't say it's a constant stream because <laughs> I think that's a whole other way of understanding the divine. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Tehila talks. For more information about Tehila, go to congregationtahila dot org. Tune in next time when our teens continue to reflect on issues of the day through a Jewish lens.